Welcome to the Be Free program, where you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hi, I'm Loretta Roshka, your host, and I'm excited that you join me each week. It's such a blessing. I tell you, you guys on Facebook and the uh, the radio, we just appreciate you so much. And and today I have a special special guest, and I am very uh, excited that she has come today. I've heard her speak uh, at an Aglow conference that I was leading worship at. And she was amazing, uh, beautiful young woman. And uh, so it's going to be a blessing and awesome. And, to, and we're going to jump into the word in a moment. And, and today uh, our program is titled Tamar's Pain. And this is a, a sensitive but a very relative uh, issue that the Bible actually, I mean, it's in the word. And uh, this is something that uh, is happening. I'm not going to go into it all very much right now. But it's happening uh, in our world today. And it was written about in the Old Testament. (coughs) But Lisa Michelle, uh, let me tell you a little bit about her. She is the social entrepreneur entrepreneur behind the beauty brand Lily & Company. She's an abolitionist and the founder of No Strings Attached Ministry. And her beauty products provide funding to safe homes globally and No Strings Attached Ministries reaches out to women who currently work in, in the sex industry. They bring handmade gifts and tangible love and hope to the local brothels and strip clubs in San Antonio. They provide a safe place for women to heal from the aftermath of sexual exploitation with aftercare support groups, which is women of worth. Uh, they even have equine therapy and other healing modalities. She has dedicated her life to this cause. She is a survivor of sexual exploitation herself and tells her story across the country to help women experience emotional healing and freedom from being sexually exploited. So, Lisa, thank you so much for being with me today. What a blessing. Thank you for having me. It is such an honor to be with you guys. It is amazing to be here today. Well, you know, God is using you in many powerful, powerful ways and uh, you, like I said, I heard you speak, and what a blessing you were. Thank and you. I just wanted to have you come. And we're going to get into more of what you're doing, what God is sure. doing through you in your ministry. But we're going to couch it with uh, a scripture, with, okay. with a passage of scripture that will speak to this. So I'm going to jump into that, and you and I are going to share from that. And, and I believe it's going to minister yes. to many people. <clears throat> you're in an area, Michelle, uh, Lisa, that... A lot of people uh, that we can't see from the outside, we don't know what's going on, right. but their lives are broken. Yes. And uh, so we're going to uh, jump into Second Samuel chapter 13. And this, to me, is one of the saddest stories in the Bible. Yes, it is. It is so sad. Um, it, Tamar is a beautiful 15-year-old virgin princess. She is a princess. She's the king, the king's daughter. She's King David's daughter. She has this beautiful ornate robe that she wears that signifies two things. She's the king's daughter and she's a virgin. Yeah. She is absolutely gorgeous and she has her a fairy tale life ahead of her. Mm. But that's not what happened. Right. You know, there's things that happen in our lives that we didn't plan that we that dash our hopes and shatter us and break us at right. times. And this is what happens to this beautiful girl named Tamar. 
she, and this is, this story is a, a story of family trauma. Right. Family trouble, family crisis. I mean, you're talking about a family in crisis. Uh, two cousins plot a horrible crime against a beautiful 15-year-old innocent girl, right. unsuspecting. There's deception, uh, incest, rape, denial, and it ends up in murder. Yes. I mean, it reads like a novel, but it really happened. Right. And you know what? It really happens today. It does. And so I think there's some things in these scriptures, Lisa, that we can pull out and that will speak to our listeners. So uh, I'm going to, I don't know any other better way than to actually read it real quick. Okay. okay? That so, good. So uh, guys, y'all just uh, hang in with me and uh, connect in with me and really listen. After this, it's a second Samuel 13. After this, Absalom, the son of David, had a lovely sister whose, whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. You know what? I'm actually going to read this in the Amplified. I'm going to switch Bibles. As you all know, everybody, I'm a girl of many Bibles. <laughs> <laughs> I like to read out of all different kinds Me of too. versions. You know? And Ammon was so troubled. Amnon, that was her half-brother. Back up to verse 1. Absalom, son of David, had a fair sister whose, whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, her half-brother, okay, son of David, loved her. And, da- and Amnon was so troubled that he fell sick for his half-sister Tamar, for she was a virgin, and Amnon thought it impossible for him to do anything to her. But Amnon had a friend, who was actually his cousin, whose name was Jonadab, son of Shemiah, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very crafty man. Don't ever forget the devil is very crafty. Yes. He said to Amnon, why are you the king's son so lean and weak looking from day to day? Will you not tell me? And Amnon said to him, I love Tamar. Actually, what he was meant was I lust after her. My half-brother Absalom's sister. Now, Amnon is the firstborn of David. He's in line to be the king. Absalom is a, the second, and he is the son of a different mother, right? Yes. So, but Tamar and Absalom have the same mom and dad. Okay, so they're full brother and sister. Amnon is his half-brother. Uh, half but Amnon, ha- excuse me, verse 4, and he said to Amnon, why are you the king's son so lean and weak-looking from day to day? Will you not tell me? And Amnon said to him, I love Tamar, my half-brother, Absalom's sister. Jonadab said to him, now listen to this plot, Lisa, listen to yes. this. Go to bed and pretend you are sick. Hmm. Talking about premeditated. Yes. And when your father David comes to see you, say to him, let my sister Tamar come and give me food and prepare it in my sight that I may see it and eat it from her hand. Like he didn't have servants that did that. I mean, he's the king's son. Right. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be sick. And when the king came to see him, Amnon said to the king, I pray you let my sister Tamar Come and make me a couple of cakes in my sight that I may eat from her hand. Then David sent home and told Tamar, Go now to your brother Amnon's house to prepare food for him. David, King David, you would have thought that would have been a little suspicious, but he had no idea what was going to happen. Yeah. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house, and he was in bed, and she took dough and kneaded it and made cakes in his sight and baked them. She took the pan and emptied it out before him, but he refused to eat. And Amnon said, send everyone out for me. It was going to be done in secrecy. Mm -hmm. So everyone went out from him. Then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food here into the bedroom so I may eat from your hand. 
So Tamar took the cakes she, ma- she had made and brought them into the room to Amnon, her brother. And when she brought them to him, he took hold of her and said, come lie with me, my sister. She replied, no, my brother, do not force and humble me. For no such thing should be done in Israel. Do not do this foolhardy, scandalous thing. I mean, this, this girl... She's fighting for her life, for her virginity, for her reputation, for her future. And she also has wisdom. She knows this is foolhardy. This is scandalous. Right. And this verse just, just gets me, verse 13. And I, how could I rid myself of my shame? So mm. many people ask that today. Yes. <clears throat> I asked that also myself when I was a child. Mm-hmm. And you, you will be considered one of the stupid fools in Israel. She's trying to speak sense to this brother. Right. Now, therefore, I pray you speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. Which actually, it was against the law for uh, even half-brothers and sisters to marry. But she was trying to, you know, she's trying to get him to to get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. But he would not listen to her. And being stronger than she, he forced her and lay with her. He raped her. Mm -hmm. Then Amnon, listen to this, look how quickly this changed. Then Amnon hated her exceedingly, so that his hatred for her was greater than the love with which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, get up and get out. And we're going to go back over that in a minute. But she said, no, this great evil of sending me away is worse than what you did to me. Mm. But he would not listen to her. Mm-hmm. He called the servant who, uh, uh, who served him and said, put this woman out of my presence now and bolt the door after her. Now Tamar was wearing a long robe with sleeves and out of various colors, for in such robes were the king's virgin daughters clad of old. Then Amnon's servants brought her out and bolted the door after her. We're, this is the king's daughter. Yeah. And she put ashes on her head and tore the long-sleeved robe which she wore, and she laid her hand on her head and went away shrieking and wailing. Mm. Mm. And Absalom, her brother, said to her, Has your brother Amnon, and this is her full-blood brother, has your brother Amnon been with you? Be quiet now, mm. my sister. He is your brother. Take not this matter to heart. So Tamar dwelled in her brother Absalom's home, a desolate woman, and by all accounts for the rest of her life, at Mm -hmm. 15. Yeah. But when King David heard of all these things, he was very angry. I'm going to stop right there, and let's, let's look at some things. So it was a premeditated evil plot. Now let me say up front, and I know you feel the same way, Lisa. Yeah. There is deliverance and salvation and healing for the instigators, for the, um, what would you call it? The perpetrators. There you go. That's yeah, the, the word. Perpetrators. The perpetrators. There yes. is. Yes. I'm not, I mean, sin is sin and we all need a savior. Right. So we are for their salvations, their healing and deliverance. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about how the devil worked in the situation and what God can do today for us. Yeah. So he was complicit. Mm-hmm. Amnon pretends to be sick. He deceives his father, King David, just so he could have 
Tamar right. because he wasn't in love with her, Lisa. He right. was in lust. He with was her. in lust. Yes. Big difference. Love builds you up. Love is for your to value you and your worth. And love is something that is healing. Yes. Brings you up, pulls you up. Lust does the opposite. Exactly. So King David sends Tamar to Amson's house and bedroom. Tamar does as she is told. She's unsuspecting. She prepares the food for him. Amnon sends everyone out. Lisa, the devil loves to work in the dark yes. and in secrecy. Yes. He hides in those things. Mm -hmm. and, and in a few moments, I want you to talk about those things, you know, that are happening. And, and, and we can even share from our own, our own lives. Yeah. And Amnon tells her to come into his bedroom and feed him by hand. I mean, he's got this all planned out. He has, he has made a place for it. He's made a, a, he has set the stage yeah. for this crime, for this atrocity, for this demonic strategy. It was, the stage was set. And so we can get into agreement with what the enemy's doing in our lives and set the stage, provide a platform for right, it. Right, right. So he takes, he come into my room and feed me by hand. So she, she does. And he takes hold of her because he's a man. Mm -hmm. Okay, he's 22. Right. She's 15. He takes her by the hand and forces her and says, uh, takes hold of her, come lie with me. Don't force me. And what that word actually means, it hidden that meaning is humble me. Yes. Don't humble me. Don't, don't shame me. This should not be done. Do not do this foolhardy, scandalous thing. Uh, Lisa, you and I both have had sexual, um, uh, advances, exploitation, sexual abuse. Yes. And I know there was an humbling. There was a, a shame. Mm -hmm. there, there was a uh, feeling like damaged goods. Right, right. Uh, talk to us about that. Yeah. A and, and a little bit about your story, and then we'll go on again with this. Sure. Um, I spent most of my life living in that shame. Mm -hmm. And while you were just describing that story... When Tamar ripped her robe mm -hmm. off, what she was doing was she was taking on the robe of shame yes. and putting it on instead. That's good, Lisa. I mm. saw that while you were mm -hmm. saying that. She literally put that cloak of shame yeah. on her. Took and the royalty started, off. Yes. Took that royalty off and walked into that shame. And this is what I did for half of my life. Mm. I was an unbeliever growing up. I did not know the Lord. And I grew up in a really broken home. My parents mm -hmm. were both big partiers. My dad was a bartender. He was a part of the Hells Angels. And he was an extremely abusive, um, angry, aggressive man. And uh, our family witnessed everything you can think of with domestic violence mm -hmm. in that home. And I was just conditioned to be around that on a regular basis. And um, throughout my growing up, being in that tumultuous background and everything and being sexually abused in my home for over 10 years mm -hmm. by a close family member, yeah, me I too. know exactly mm -hmm. what that feels like. I know what Tamar was going through. Mm -hmm. It was so, it's such a foreign thing to have incest. And it's mm -hmm. literally one of the most vile, disgusting things. And you as a little girl mm -hmm. don't understand what's yeah. happening you to don't you. Know why? All. Yeah. You why? don't understand. 
Yeah. So being under that abuse for that long, that sexual abuse on a continual basis from the time I was a really young girl up until the age of 14 is when it ended. Mm -hmm. And the story of how it ended is amazing. I finally stood up for myself. It was a really (laughs) bad day. Same thing. It was like one of my worst days ever, but also a day that I was like, I did it. Yeah. But um, while I was growing up and under all of that sexual abuse, um, we had a neighbor that lived across the street from us. And this man was a vile, horrible, disgusting man. He was a funeral director uh, to uh, the funeral home. And he lived in an apartment on top of there with his wife on um, top of the funeral home. And from the age of seven to the age of nine, he sexually exploited me through the use of pornography. Mm. So my sexual abuse and the incest was like my breeding ground, basically, for what was coming next. It left me vulnerable to that man who lived across the street. And Mm -hmm. with the work that I do today, I see that with the women that Mm -hmm. we meet in the strip Mm -hmm. clubs Mm -hmm. because 90% of them have been sexually abused And that leads them Mm -hmm. into being like Mm -hmm. their sexuality is all they know. Yeah. And so it leads them into being more vulnerable to Mm -hmm. other perpetrators as well. Yeah. Yeah. I I so agree. And I can um, so relate. Uh, And when I, I don't know about you, but whenever I read this story, I mean, there's something on the inside of me just hurts. Yes. Because it's going on in so many homes and so many places and and in in homes and families you think that it isn't that it wouldn't right right uh, the devil uh does not uh just pick and choose a certain family or it's anywhere he can get an open door right can i just share with sure. you who commits sexual crimes sure. against children 60 percent of them are family mm-hmm. members mm-hmm. so incest is a big deal and yes. we're not talking about it yeah uh, 30% are family uh, friends, caretakers, and neighbors, and the other 10% are strangers. Yeah. So it's good for us to get that out there, to mm-hmm. think about our surroundings. It's most of the time somebody we know or a family friend. Yes, that's Somebody so that's true. around the family. Yeah, and, and that's why it is able to happen so easily. Easily, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's when she says, Tamar says, don't force me and humble me, uh, that... Shame, she says in the next verse, she says, How can I rid myself mm-hmm. of my shame? H- how can I get rid of my shame? Because, and something I had to come to, to believe in and, and realize by the power of the Holy Spirit and His Word is that I am not what happened to me. Exactly. I am not what happened to me. Yes. And we don't have to. Be live the lifestyle and believe that we're a victim any longer. Yes, we were. Yes, those things happen. Yeah. But there's so much power in the name of Jesus uh, to remove Amen. that shame. Amen. Uh, you know, and, and well, I want you to jump in here in just a moment. He says he did not listen to her, right? He mm-hmm. didn't listen to her pleas. Right. Uh, and he was stronger than her. And so he forced her. He raped her. Yes. Uh but here's that that is horrific it's horrific right but then even more happened because then that lust that he had for her turned for a hatred in other words it was like he was blaming her exactly and he he commanded his servant to throw her out in other words it was like he was casting uh, a 
uh, uh, accusation on her that she seduced him. Like, throw her out. Right. You know, and, and he was blaming her because he didn't want to face what he had done. Right. You know? Yeah. And I think so many times those that have been abused, they feel like it's their fault. Exactly. You know, they and do. They do. And unless we're talking about it and unless we are addressing this from the pulpits, especially as mm -hmm. where God has really brought me to. But if unless we're addressing this in the church and talking about it, then that woman will walk with shame. Yeah. Until she hears about it. For me, I ended up hearing a woman speaking publicly about being sexually abused. Mm -hmm. She was describing intimate details of her sexual abuse. And I'll never forget because I started to have a physical reaction in my body. Mm -hmm. So here I was, a 28-year-old woman, lived this life where my lifestyle manifested my abuse and showed mm -hmm. up in everything that I did. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting here listening to her, trying to figure out what she's saying and why she's saying it out loud. And my body's reacting to everything. And I'm in shock. Mm -hmm. And then I quickly realized she was articulating everything I had been through as mm -hmm. a little girl. And that's when everything just started to my complex trauma. Everything just came mm -hmm. all flashing before me. And I was dealt with, I have to deal with this now. Mm -hmm. I have to talk about this. I have to face this shame. Mm -hmm. It took me years, though, mm -hmm. of going to therapy, being on medication, be having the wrong diagnoses, just constantly seeking my sanity mm -hmm. and seeking, trying to undo that shame. And it wasn't until I got a church invite that yeah. everything turned around for me. And I completely got free from all of that. Hallelujah. But I know, right? It's just so yeah. amazing. But it's still to this day, I'm 51 years old mm -hmm. and there are still triggers. Mm -hmm. And especially because of the work that I do right now, um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm working with children mm -hmm. that are Tamar's age. Mm -hmm. And I'm seeing that story repeated over and over in today's society, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's amazing to me how prevalent sexual perversion is. Yeah. And it can take you to a very dark place. Yes. But praise God, Jesus is the truth, the life, the way. Yes. And he is so able to change that and to break that off of you. Um, you know, he sent, Amnon sent her away after he did what he did. And it was... She said, this is worse than what you've done to me. Because, see, he had stolen her virginity, and that was a terrible curse in Israel. Mm -hmm. so, so he And he rejected her as his wife, which is in, uh, contrary to the law. Because in Deuteronomy, if a man finds a virgin and he does that, then he's commanded to marry her and to never divorce her. Yeah. so it's Because like, God wanted to cover her, yes. right? God has a heart for the women. Yes. And so, he, so not only has she been you know, forced rage, but she, her identity, everything about, like you said, she put on, she took off the royalty robes and yes. she put on that shame and, uh, she is rejected. Yep. Kicked out. Yep. Like it was her fault. Like she did something, but it was not her fault. Right. And that's exactly. something that we have to, the, the, you know, those that are the victims must understand it's not your fault. Yes. You know, uh, so he, they bolted the door. I mean, there's no coming back. You're out of here. Yeah. I've just stolen everything from you, and you're out of here. 
But Tamar was wearing her robe that she, she was wearing her robe and it symbolized her virginity. He put her out in verse 18, bolted the door behind her. Then what does she do? As we just end this first half of the program, she put ashes on her head, mm. which is a symbol of mourning, of death. Yes. She tore her robe. Mm-hmm. She laid her hand on her head and went away shrieking and wailing. Now, I've had some times in my life when I was actually wailing. Me too. And that's just a brokenness. It's just a cry. It's just a brokenness. It's from the depths of your being. Yes. And this young girl is just, she is so hurt and so broken. And then her brother, Absalom, her full brother, blood brother, tells her to be quiet. So he didn't know how to deal with it. Right. He didn't know how to heal her. He didn't know what to say. Uh, He says, take not this matter to heart. He He just didn't know what to do with her pain. So Tamar dwelt for the rest of her life in desolation mm-hmm. as a desolate woman in her brother's house. Right. For, she's 15. says she dwelt in her brother Absalom's house, a desolate woman. You know what that word desolate means? Deserted, bleak, empty, misery, unhappy, and lonely. Mm. Now what, what a sad picture. Yeah. What a sad picture that she never got the healing. She never got the deliverance. And so uh, we're going to go more into the healing and the deliverance on the second half of the program. But if you need prayer today, uh, if you find yourself in the situation, maybe the perpetrator, maybe you're the victim, or maybe it was years ago, maybe right now, or you need prayer for anything else, call our prayer line at 866-241-0579, 866-241-0579. We are going to continue, and we're going to talk about how you could be healed how God is doing these things even through Lisa's ministry, but God can leave you, uh, minister to you right where you are, heal you, deliver you, set you free. And so we're going to do that in a moment, but really call our prayer line, 866-241-0579. Also, all of Lisa's links, and we'll talk more about this in a moment, are uh, in the description line. Uh, in the comments. And so you can go there and you can connect with her ministry. Maybe you need help or you want to support her. Uh, You can do that. And we'll talk more about that later. Uh, But really, prayer. We want to pray for you. 866-241-0579. You can go to my website at luada.org, L-O-U-A-D-A.org. We have tons of free stuff for you. Free podcasts of the radio shows, of the TV programs, and just uh, lots of things that can minister to you and how you can connect with us. We want to minister to you. That's what, We're not here building a kingdom for us. We're here to build the kingdom of God and to build you up and minister to you because you're important, you're valuable, you're full of worth. You are loved, and God has a tremendous plan for you. Don't give up. And uh, we will be back in just a few moments and uh, invite others to, if you're on Facebook, to share this page and to get on board with us. We're actually going to do two programs today, one this morning and one this afternoon, and so that we can minister to people. Uh, and so, as again, uh, you can go to Lisa Michelle's uh, description, the comments and get all of her links. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> 